With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Turn on the Jets podcast. For myself, Will Parkinson, at WillPaw11, and my co-host, Matt Gianessis, at Jets Opinion, talk everything New York Jets football. We have a very special, special Twitter mailbag edition of the podcast for you, where the fans decide the topics. First, let's get today's big news. Matt, how are you feeling about Deshaun Watson officially requesting a trade from the Houston Texans? Yeah, well, I mean, this is news that isn't really news to us, right? We've known this is going to happen for a while now. Uh, but Rappaport confirmed what uh, we already knew. So Watson officially requested the trade. And that's kind of the last step before we could get the ball rolling. Uh, so teams could start sending their offers, even though I'm sure behind closed doors, teams have already been calling Houston. But it's exciting because, um, you know, now what will, I mean, as time goes on, we're going to get more and more uh, official news. And, uh, you know, Jets fans are waiting for that. So it's exciting. How do you feel about it? Um, I think it's something that we all, like you said, all expected. Um, it's been talked about that it's behind the scenes kind of happened, but it's interesting to see that um, multiple reports now have come out that the Texans actually leaked this info. Um, this is, wasn't, it was confirmed by Deshaun Watson's camp, but it was not something they leaked, which um, kind of confirms to everybody that the Texans know this was finished. And if they can make it look like Deshaun is pushing them to leave, um, which he obviously is, but if they can make him think that, you know, he's pushing it out, they can try to make him look like the bad guy a little bit, try to hold a little bit of leverage over his head. Uh, meanwhile, Deshaun's been in the community every single week um, and month, whether he was here in New York or back in Houston, feeding kids, um, donating scholarships. I mean, the guy's an all-around great person um, and obviously a great football player. So I, I wouldn't get too caught up in the Texans leaking stuff. That's going to happen um, anytime a player requests a trade. Or vice versa. We everyone as a Jets fan saw Jamal Adams last year. The team leaked stuff, all of which was true. Um, Jamal leaked stuff, most of which was true about Gase. So just be prepared. Um, ride with the waves a little bit when it comes to some of the leaks that will come out, um, either pro or anti Deshaun. Um, but a majority of the stuff is coming from an organization which is incredibly inept right now and kind of reminds me, and I think it reminds you as well, of very early McCagnan years. Um, the only competent thing I can think of that McCagnan did in the long run, obviously it might not work out with Sam, but that was like, oh, the Jets are making a smart play here. They're trading for a quarterback. But everything else was just like total incompetence and everybody around the league was like, how's this guy GM? And guess where he came from? He was the Houston director of college scouting. So Cal McNair, not sure what else to say about him other than the guy is probably the worst owner in pro football and – James Dolan, if not worse, level owner in pro sports. So um, I'm not a Knicks fan. I just know I hear my Knicks fans' friends complain about James Dolan, and I see it with my own eyes. So um, I I just would – 
like I said, be cautious with the rumors that come out, but I'm very excited. Um, I'm happy actually to hear that the Texans leaked that information. It doesn't surprise me, but it makes me feel even better about the fact that Deshaun knows. They, the team knows he's gone. Deshaun's gone. I would put it at 99.9%. He's not a Houston Texan. Um, yeah, I come, saw uh, Come June, let alone September. I forgot who it was. Maybe it was Shannon Sharp. I think it was. He said 99.5% sure he's gone. And we know better than anybody what it looks like when a team doesn't have a lever- leverage in a situation. And that's kind of exactly what we're seeing here with Houston. They don't have any leverage with this. Deshaun has a no trade clause. Um, he's the disgruntled person in this situation. It's not the team upset with him. Uh, so they kind of have to do what they have to do to get any leverage in this situation. Um, so I was thinking uh, about the possible trade for Deshaun Watson. And I was thinking about realistic scenarios. So I'm trying to be realistic here. We've heard that teams need a minimum of three first round picks, right? That's the rumor on Twitter. That's a rumor uh, around the football world right now that three first round picks is where you start with the trade for Deshaun Watson. I've heard uh, mumblings from, you know, my friends. I don't want to give up three first round picks. Uh, Also, I, I don't think these people necessarily like understand how good Deshaun Watson is, but uh, there's something to be said about the value of the number two overall pick. It's not just your standard first overall pick. So today, Richard Sherman, Richard Sherman just keeps talking about the Jets, by the way. Every, every time I'm on, I see him talking to Pro he's gonna be a, He's going to be a Jet. I'd put, I'd put money on him. Any future bet you can have, uh, Jets yeah. fans listening, put the Jets on um, getting Richard Sherman. It's, I mean, it's inevitable. With the solid ties, everything. So, um, but yeah, he was talking about it and he said, listen, if I'm the Jets, I wouldn't give up more than two first-round picks. You have the number two overall pick. If you have a team offering, so let's just say uh, Carolina, uh, if you have a team offering three first-round picks and the Jets offering two, but the Jets have the number two overall pick in one of those two first-round picks, that's arguably and honestly probably more valuable than the three. So that's where the conversation gets a little tricky. So I guess I'll ask you to start. Uh, what would you give up if you were the GM of the Jets to get to Sean Watson right now? So I'll put it this way. I'll give you what I think the trade's going to be and then where – or what I'd hope it would be and then where I would say I'm out and I'm, I'm good with any of the other options. So the number two overall pick in the draft point scale, right? So out of 3,000 points, it's the most valuable draft pick, which is Jacksonville at one is 3,000. The Jets own 4,553 points worth, which is an absurdly high amount of points to have draft capital. They have t- number two overall, which is 2,600. Number 23, worth 760. Number 34, 560. And then they have, obviously, next year, um, you know, would have two first-round picks, you would hope, in the teens, which are all worth around 1,000, between 680 and 1,000 points, right? So if you're a GM, what this is a lot when these draft trades come out, um, as a fan, this is kind of what they're going through. They're going through, okay, to move up to two, right? And we talk about – we've talked about trades up for teams or trading back if you're the Jets. What are teams – how can they get equal value for that pick? So if someone trading up to two, they would need to equate to 2,600 points or more to get the Jets to be interested. Number two is incredibly valuable. The Houston Texans realistically would be wanting to build either around somebody they know, like a Tua or a Jimmy Garoppolo, which is people that from the New England days, that's why those teams are rumored, or drafting a quarterback, a Lance, Fields, Wilson, et cetera. For me – I think realistically the Jets give up two twenty-three, so both ones this year. Then they give up a one in twenty twenty-two and maybe a third pick, a third round pick. So 
That's three ones and a three and a three. And then in return, the Jets would get Watson and potentially a compensation pick in the fifth, sixth, or seventh round, just to kind of balance out the amount of assets you can bring back. Yeah, that would be what I would be happy with because it would leave the Jets' ability to still acquire people at 34, at 66 and 86. They'd still have four top 100 picks. And then you'd be trading Sam and probably acquiring five, maybe six. You'd still be able to get five to six guys you think contribute next year. And then you'd still have your full complement before the Jamal trade of picks. Now, what I think it's going to take, I don't even actually, this is maybe a hot take. I don't know that it takes as much as people think. Um, the Texans have zero leverage. Deshaun is a no trade. So what they could get blown away from Miami. And Deshaun would say, no, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm holding out. I don't think he'll do that. I think Miami's a very viable option. I think people shouldn't sleep on them. But I think it takes either two ones and multiple twos and a player, or I think it's going to take the Jets eating a contract. Um, I'd love them to eat Merciless or Watt's contract for the next two to three years. J.J. Watt can still contribute. He's a great leader. You bring him in, all of a sudden now there's a familiar face. And the Jets' defense is better. And, yes, it sucks to have to pay a guy who's 33 and probably declining. But you maybe not have to give as much draft capital. You bring a young guy in to groom him, right? So I think it, what it takes is probably three ones. But I could see it taking uh, both ones this year and then, um, you know, potentially one more or a player in return. How about yourself? What are you thinking that's, uh, you know, your ideal trade and then what it would be maybe what you think is going to happen? Well, when it comes to eating a contract, I don't think there's a person in the world who wouldn't be ecstatic with J.J. Watt on their team. You just said that. I haven't even thought about that as an option. So when you said that, my, I was like, oh, my God, that'd be amazing. But uh, I, So if it's up to me, I want to do the, the two first rounds. I mean, who wouldn't? If you're, you know your team, you don't, you, want, you don't want them to give up uh, as many first-round draft picks as they can. So I'd, I'd prefer the, you know, the two first-round picks, which is including the number two overall pick, uh, multiple twos and if a player's involved the player's involved but um, that's what I prefer and in, in terms of what I think is going to happen I think it is going to be three first round picks uh, from a team and if it happens to be the Jets I think it's going to be the number two overall pick this year I think the way that Douglas would do this is he wouldn't give two in the same year uh, because the Jets have two this year the Jets have two next year so I think he gives the number two overall pick this year he offers the number one overall pick uh, the first of their ones next year and their second of their ones next year. That's my guess on what he would give. And then I think you'd have to probably throw in uh, a three in that case or something along those lines. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Just to touch on the contract piece, the reason we mentioned Watt and Merciless, Watt is owed 
$17.5 million as a base salary. His cap hits 17.5 into the final year of his deal. He's going in his age 32 season. Still can be a productive player, especially. He's the most double-team defensive lineman, um, him and Aaron Donald last year. Obviously, four sacks, not great. But just think of the caliber of player. If he's You can't double-team him and Q and Fatsukasi. And, like, that would obviously bring a lot of excitement to the defense. Um, Merciless is a guy that's more realistic, in my opinion, only because – He's still got three years and $34 million left on his deal. You can get out of that deal after 2022, a lower number at $13 million. So that's just something to keep, it, uh, keep in mind. For me, the only thing – I like your idea a lot. I think spreading those picks out would be ideal because you could still have second-round, third-round talent, and if the Jets are as good as we hope they're going to be um, with Watson under center, those first-round picks are less valuable. I would say where I start to get a little – where we come out on the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes is if it comes to a situation where it's two ones this year, two ones next year, and a future one, or five, six, seven picks, and they're all premier picks, because the Jets roster then is just you're just in a worse version of Houston, and like that then for Deshaun, what's the point of coming here? He mentioned he's mentioned that to people. I don't want to be in the same situation. Yes, the culture around the Jets is much better with Douglas. Salah is a minority hire, which is was a huge deal to Deshaun. Christopher Johnson's been incredibly outspoken and generous when it comes to social injustice and all those things, right? So that's important, but the Jets are going to need to be able to build talent. And Allen Robinson or Juju or Galladay, all these guys would be great, but the Jets were 2-14 and 14 last year and probably only realistically were five games where they were even winnable. Yeah, so uh, to jump in there about uh... – you know, Watson saying that he doesn't want to jump into the same situation that he had in Houston uh, to go back to what Shannon Sharp said this morning. I mean, he's a pretty plugged guy. He used to play in the league. He's a talk show host now. Uh, but he said he, he knows from what he heard from a source from Watson is that he doesn't want a Carmelo Anthony situation where the Knicks trade anything that they had somewhat valuable um, to get Melo. So Melo's there now and then they have nothing around him. So Watson doesn't want to go to a team that gives up absolutely everything. And now he's just playing for the Houston Texans in green. He doesn't want that. So I saw uh, John McClain. This, is, this goes back to what you were talking about, where you would draw the line for a trade. Uh, John McClain said if the Texans end up trading Watson, it should be for the Jets two firsts this year. There's two seconds this year, but the Jets have one second this year. They're two firsts next year. They're two seconds next year, and Quinn and Williams. So I would draw the line way before that. <laughs> Honestly, I think that's ridiculous. And you see people in the comments like, that's not enough. Like, no, that's – more than enough. That's yes, in theory, it's not enough. Okay, right? In theory, I said we said this last podcast. Of course, you wouldn't give up. You know, you need eight first-rounders for Deshaun, obviously, because he's a top-five quarterback at 25 years old. Here's the thing. They have no leverage. So that's literally totally irrelevant, right? No one's giving you first-rounders. Sure. I, see, I saw a trade today. It was like just number two, Sam and Quinn. Sure. I, yeah, great. I'd take that. It, like, of course. But again, what what's the the benefit for Houston of trading with the Jets or Miami, Washington, Carolina, to some extent, even San Francisco, which are honestly probably the only five realistic destinations he could even go to. They need draft capital. The Dolphins have literally they traded for a left tackle, and now that they're potentially trading with the team that they literally just took Tunsil from. So Mike Tannenbaum, by the way, no longer a GM and Met the guy is very, very smart. Absolutely robbed Houston in that deal, by the way. So they had to pay Tunsil also. Their lunch money. Awful, awful, awful trade. We're just talking about a team in Houston that, again, the no trade is so 
crucial, and he's literally willing to play hardball. Shannon said this morning, I've heard the same thing. Stephen A. Smith's heard the same thing. Rapport, if he's willing to sit out games, you have to move him. Like, you can't – you can't – it's not realistic. And, you know, John McClain is the most plugged-in Houston guy I could think of. But in this instance, and I'm not trying to whatever, you know, he said that there's a better chance of him being the head coach of the Texans than them trading him. And that was a month ago. Yeah, okay. Which yeah. at the time might have been realistic. But, look, uh, they don't have any leverage. It's not going to change. He's, he wants out. And – the Jets have the most assets. The Texans have no draft capital, and they have no money. So the best way to get rid of that is Deshaun's cap number is incredibly reasonable this year, then the extension kicks in next year. But if you get the Jets to give you two to three ones and potentially a few other picks between rounds two and seven, at least the Texans can now start to rebuild the roster somewhat. And then people forget, as much as I want Sam here, and we talk about this all the time, the Jets would be recouping some ability to get more assets with Sam. Like, and then it comes a guy like Jameson Crowder. Oh, can we flip him for a, a day three pick, a fourth round or whatever? Because now we, we want to sign these guys. So the Jets have assets that they can recoup capital for that might not be a fit with them right now. So if I don't – look, anything under four first-round picks, I think you do. Anything yeah. over – if the number gets to four and it starts including – it inhibits your ability to get better, then I start to be like, you know what? I think you have to – you might have to eat the eat the humble pie there and say, you know what, maybe it's better off building the roster. Like, it's not – the Jets are in a great – they're in the best spot the Jets have been in, in, in I don't know, since 09. Like, realistically least, going in 09. Yeah. Um, so, and then um, – so, you talked about how – Houston, you know, could could try to play hardball back towards Watson. And I just don't see a world – and you were saying as well, you feel the same way. I don't see a world where, where Houston's okay with having their quarterback sit out uh, so they're not getting playing time from an elite quarterback and not receiving any assets back. They're not, there's no team in football, as long as I can remember, that has a piece that they could get so much back for. So if you have that player just sitting out, disgruntled player just mad at you on your roster – and you're not utilizing the insane amount of assets you get back, that is such a bad situation. I don't see any way that happens. And um, so we were talking about flipping Crowder, whatever it may be, where the Jets have these assets where they can move on. And that kind of brings up the whole discussion with the free agent wide receivers who would the Jets go after if they did sign Watson because I think it's pretty reasonable to think the Jets would bring somebody in at that position. Um, and the, the big names, the hot names on the market. Well, first, first of all, it's Chris Godwin, who I've heard Tampa Bay isn't letting go. We'll see what happens. But, uh, and then the second, the most commonly linked to him is the Allen Robinson. Um, and I don't know if Robinson has necessarily a Jets thing. I don't think that's what it is, an interest towards the Jets. I think he has an interest towards Deshaun Watson. So he wants to go where Watson goes. I think he's making it pretty clear. So, uh, so on Twitter, Jets fans are like, uh, Robinson wants the Jets. Kind of. He wants to play with Deshaun Watson after who he's played with, with Bortles and, and so on. So, that's somebody that's going to cost $20 million a year, arguably. I mean, he liked to tweet today saying that he deserves over $20 million a year. So who knows? But the Jets are going to have to free up this cap space some way, and they do have plenty of cap space. But that's a whole different conversation about who they could bring in, whether it be Curtis Samuel, Allen Robinson. So, Yeah, no, I mean, so just from a timeline perspective, just we'll finish this up on Watson. Like his, his total deal is $146 million over you know, the five years. If they trade him before, like – June 1st, okay, 
they don't have to eat their, their dead cap money is $21 million. If they were to, like, obviously it was not be on the team. If they wait until after June 1st, they're going to eat $16 million in the trade. They're not waiting. This is going to happen. It's not going to happen after the draft. It's happening. If it's going to happen. And the Texans are literally in zero. They're the worst. This was the worst head coaching job in my lifetime. I've never seen a head coaching job. So unappealing, horrible owner. Easter B, I've talked about this. You can attest this. I've talked about Easter B for months. Ron Rousseau had a talk, had a whole segment on his podcast about it. He's an absolute cancer in a in an organization. Anytime you start getting involved with religion and people's jobs in football, it's you get in really dicey situations. So horrible job, obviously. With no Deshaun Watson, it's <laughs> I, you wonder why. Ben, like I'm happy the enemy didn't get the job for his career sake, right? But Deshaun's owed $15 million this year, right? So he's making $6 million more than Sam in 2021. The Jets can add pieces quickly, and they have near $100 million in cap space. So just just that from that perspective. But, yeah, no, free agency receiver-wise, um, I love Godwin. I would love the Jets to target Godwin. I think he could play outside, inside. I think he's somebody that can run, without, run after the catch. Um, Robinson's obviously an elite, elite talent. Um, the guy we've talked about, this guy cut his caught balls from some of the most underwhelming quarterbacks I can think of in the last decade that have all somehow won games because of the roster around them and whatever. But I just don't, unless Robin, the Jets are not going to pay on Robinson $25 million a year. So he's either going to take a, he's going to take a somewhat heavy bonus, um, late in contract that might have more years tacked on from like those who follow baseball, like DJ Mayhew took a much cheaper deal to have more years tacked on so he can play into his thirties, late thirties. I could see Robinson at 27, 28 doing the same thing. Oh, I'll take a six year, I'll take six for a hundred, but it's much more, you know, guaranteed money as opposed to five for one twenty five. whatever it is. Right. So that's a possibility. I like Juju as much as stuff happened this year. I don't think it's realistic he's coming here just because I think it would have been with Sam and their college teammates. They're really good friends. That would have been the move there. But Galladay is somebody that I would target heavily if I was the Jets. I don't think it's realistic only because I think if they're going to get somebody, it's going to be Robinson right now. But Galladay to me is so interesting and he's an elite talent. If he could stay on the field consistently, which is obviously the knock, but the dude is a freeze nicknamed baby Megatron. It's like, there's a reason. The reason that he's out for me is I just don't see Tampa Bay letting him go. I know they have a million guys there at receiver anyway. Uh, but, I mean, of course, if the situation presents itself where he is free, I'd be ecstatic with um, I'd be ecstatic with Godwin. And lastly, the last thing we'll say on Watson before we jump into the mailbag is uh, I think even if you said you're happy that the enemy didn't get the job for his sake, and I kind of agree with you there, but I think whether the enemy got the job or not, like it's already over for Watson. I don't think he cared who got the job at that point after they went over his head in the search and now they're just bringing these people in to appease him. Uh, I think that's it, – it's it's foregone, foregone conclusion. So let's hop well, in. But why would – like, last thing, sorry. This, we could talk oh, about this good. forever. But why call Watson in, promise him, you have a say in the GM and head coaching search, then hire a search firm you pay hundreds of thousands of dollars to. They don't interview any of the candidates Deshaun said he was interested in. He loved Salah and loved the enemy. He was like, please interview these two guys. Not only did they not interview Salah, they were the only team of the seven openings that didn't. They waited till after the bye week to interview Biennemi and then token interviewed other minority and black coaches 
just to be able to say they did it to appease him. And then they hired the one guy that had no name behind him. And they did it because they knew he would just, he's a 65 year old position coach and they knew he'll do what we say because this is a dream job and it's nothing against them. It's just that like Deshaun's gone. So not to get overexcited for Jets fans, but he's moving in the next two months max. And I would, I would get excited. Just don't get your hopes up too much because it's not a guarantee. He comes to the Jets. He has final say he has no trade. Let's move into the mailbag. Any other thoughts or we can, we can move on. I'll just get him in green. ASAP. Get, get, make it, put in, Joe Douglas has already apparently made a call. Let's, let's get him moving because we, uh, we'd all like to see him here in, in green and white or in black, green and white and black, whatever the Jets are going to go with ugly jerseys now. First question though, from the, our, uh, our Twitter mailbag um, from Reedy Cam or Mark. Um, said, assuming we still have the 23rd pick come draft day, what position or players should the Jets be targeting the 23rd pick? I'll let you get into Najee Harris because I know you're a big Najee Harris guy. A couple of names to maybe watch out for if you're a Jets fan. Um, Jalen Waddell, if he falls from the ankle injury, would be an elite talent and would be <laughs> be more than happy to hang on. To, I'm more than happy to grab him at 23. I think he could have a Justin Jefferson-like impact in that um, you know early 20s range. Tyson Campbell, J.C. Horn, Terrence Marshall, some other names, um, as well as I'm sure you can get into this, but you know, Etienne and Harris might be a little early for them. Um, but who who would you like, or what kind of position would you like to be targeting at 23? Yeah, I think I think 23 is a little early for Harris. Uh, I think the, when I kind of look at the board, the way I, I want it to fall is for the Jets to target Harris at 34. Even though I think that's a little too high for Joe Douglas, I don't think he even goes running back there. But that's what I would enjoy. I just want to see offense, 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 offense. Um, I, I wouldn't be mad if I see the Jets go offense in their first five rounds, even though I know they need edge and, and cornerback. Um, somebody that I've seen linked to, oops, somebody that I've seen linked to the Jets a lot recently uh, is J.C. Horn from South Carolina. A couple of my buddies go to the school. They've kind of preached how good he is, how they think that he should be earlier in the first round, but that's kind of just biased uh, towards him. But he's what I think he's six one two oh five. He's good size. I've heard he's not the best tackler, but he's more of just a coverage guy. He's, he's hopefully locked down, even though that's what you hear about everybody uh, coming out of the draft. But um, and then. Uh, you met, you mentioned Waddle. And like I said, I want offense, offense, offense. So I'd be ecstatic with the wide receiver. Uh, I'm also looking at Tony. I'm not even going to try to say his first name because I'm, I'm, I, used, I already said, I can't say any names. I get them wrong. Uh, around 34 who, who he's been linked to as well. But if you go offense, I'm happy. What do, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, at 23 and um, we can kind of touch on this because we touched on this a little bit, but um, Jared's question, uh, Jared Regs, um, kind of mentioned this too, is, that, you know, in the second round, who should be targeting? So 23 and 34 is kind of interchangeable for me. I think if you can get a combination of either two offensive guys or a corner edge or an edge guy and uh, an offensive player, I'd be super happy. Um, we'll kind of blend these two questions together. Other people at 34 to look for. Carlos Basham, cousin of uh, the great Terrell Basham. You know, Boogie Basham would be an elite level edge rusher in, in Robert Sala's defense. I think he's somebody to watch out for. Elijah Vera Tucker and Monterey St. Brown at the USC. Alex Leatherwood and Trey Smith on the offensive line side of the ball. Um, Arion Kendrick's another one. Etienne Harris, we mentioned. Patrick Jones and Paulson and Adab- Adab- they, uh, I botched this name so bad, but whatever. Regardless, you have the point. There's. Um, Austin Adiba. I don't know why I just totally botched that, but um, yeah, no, I mean, there's, there's a lot of different names. I'd say 
23 and 34, if we were, were picking there, um, I'd look at running back, receiver, O-line, edge, corner, and potentially um, if there's a somebody you feel great about um, the linebacker spot but or tight end spot. But I, I would – any position other than quarterback at that spot, realistically, and D-line, like true D-lineman, is of interest. Like, you, don't we, you don't think we need uh, another defensive tackle? I'd stay away from a, a traditional nose, but <laughs> hey, if you want to go for it, you might as well just build a, build this most stacked defensive line crew of three tech and five tech D linemen that you can ask for. But no, I, I think that's kind of uh, be able to kind of help out with you know Matt and uh, or Mark and you know Jared's questions. Next, we'll get to uh, Parkinson Matt five. Um, yes, this is my brother. Um, we'll get to both two of my brothers sending questions, but. Um, in the Jets, let's say alternate universe, Deshaun Watson's on the Jets 2020 roster. What's the record? What, what do you think happens? Before I get into that answer, I got zero responses on my tweet. So thank you for, for accumulating questions. Uh, so actually ask your question again. I completely forgot what you said, Will. <laughs> <laughs> all good, all good. So Deshaun Watson's the quarterback of the Jets all 16 games last year. What's right. the record? If Watson was quarterback for the Jets for all 16 games, the Jets finished this year 2-14. and 14. Honestly, you probably see something similar around what the Houston Texans ended up with last year. So what did the Houston end at, 4-12? and 12? Houston ended up 4-12. and 12. They yeah. probably were in eight games. Defense kind of sucked. Yeah. Um, say, the Jets were in, what, five or six, maybe? Yeah. Maybe. I, I would give uh, the Jets in the four to five range if I had, if I had a guess. What do you think? Yeah, I would have four and twelve, five and eleven. They probably beat Oakland or yeah. Vegas. Sorry, I I don't know why I just said yeah, they beat Vegas. They probably beat <laughs> Buffalo in the eighteen ten game um, where they just couldn't just had ten yards in the second half. They maybe maybe win one or two other ones. I don't know. Maybe they they're able to beat the Pats one of the times, and then maybe they win that Arizona game just because um, I felt like Flacco had any. Like maybe the Dol- whatever they win between four and six games max. Like they weren't games, a playoff team. Yeah, those games that came down to the end. I mean, there is quite a few of them actually when you look back at it. Yeah, there's there's like two or three Flacco games, and there's the the, the Vegas games, the obvious one. They, that game, they had no business ever losing that game. I think maybe the only game in which, and maybe this is being biased, but the only game in which Watson was such an upgrade over Sam in terms of like win loss. Genuinely, genuinely was that Buffalo, that second Buffalo game where, like, and maybe the Miami game, the second one at home, where Sam just didn't have it in the second half. No adjustments. It's a lot of games, but Sam didn't play well. Vegas, obviously, I thought Sam played pretty well. He had turnovers, but they win that game. Obviously, any other team in the history of the NFL wins that game. Although, Mike Pettin put on his best Greg Williams performance this weekend, running cover one high and with seven seconds left on the 50-yard line and a half and Brady always takes shots so I don't know what that was but yeah four to six wins I think um I don't think it's that much crazier of a difference but it's Deshaun's an elite elite talent don't let us make it sound like we don't think that's the case we're just the Jets were the worst coached and probably worst roster in football last year so let's just hope that we can uh, upgrade we basically upgraded already at every single position by getting rid of the cancer that is Adam Gase so Speaking of Robert Sala, um, Charlie uh, sent in a t- tweet, uh, the underscore CP4. 
Is Robert Sala the most exciting Jets hire since Bill Parcells? Thoughts? You know, Rex Ryan was pretty exciting just because the energy he brought to the pressers. But since Parcells, I mean, I, I personally am too young to – I don't remember Herman Edwards. Uh, I vaguely – I don't remember him getting hired. I remember him as a coach. I vaguely remember Mangini, but I don't think at the time that was super exciting. Obviously, Adam Gase was not exciting. Todd Bowles wasn't super exciting. I would say yes, but barring, you know, maybe Rex Ryan being the answer. It's, it's either Rex or, or Sala for me. It's a close one between the two. What do you think? I would, so I would say – Going in, getting the official day Sala gets hired is the most exciting Jets hire since Parcells. Yeah. I think Rex was the most exciting Jets coach. Um, I think that we didn't realize how exciting he was. I mean, you realize, but until the guy got in the New York City market and got a microphone in front of his face, he That's was exciting. Fair. He was he was like, oh, this is cool. He's really well renowned. He coaches Ray Lewis and Bart Scott and all these guys like Ed Reed. So it was exciting. But then he guaranteed Super Bowls and we were the best team in New York and we're going to take over here. the back pages. Yeah, I'm not here to kiss people, Belichick and all these guys' rings. Great. I love it. It was exciting then. And then he obviously became went from exciting to kind of a clown show. And that's what happens when you do that. Whereas Salah, I feel like I've never heard the Jets do something that positively like renowned. Like Douglas was really positive and everyone loved the Douglas hire. Everyone I talked to that works in TV, works in the league, loved him. But, like, he's a GM, and he'd never been a GM before. It's kind of hard to tell. And, yes, Salah hasn't been a head coach, but there is just – you listen to a guy talk, and you're like, all right. I'm like, I'm, I could give you five snaps, ten snaps maybe still. I don't know how good I'd be, but I can still give you five or ten snaps. And, like, I'm ex- – look, we talked about the last episode. I'm excited, man, like. Every interview he does, he's getting more and more comfortable with the New York City media. He's learning how to slide things in, give him a little coach speak, but a little personality. And he had a quote the other day that was unbelievable to me. It was just like when there's a lack of constant communication, negativity fills the air. And I was like, wow. He's a <laughs> if, that, if, that, if that didn't describe the last two years under Adam Gase, I don't know what would. Yeah, he's, he's intelligent when he speaks. He really is if you listen to him. He's got a lot of good things to say. Uh, so I like what you said there about uh, it's not all coach speak, which is really important. Uh, next mailbag question. What do we got? Last, we got one more here. Um, Matt sent in one question to you, one question to me. He said, in the order, if they're all were the same price, right? Every single guy was getting five years, 80 million, whatever at receiver. How would you rank Allen Robinson, Juju, Godwin, Galladay, and Corey Davis? Would it go in that order? I would go Robinson one, Godwin two. Dude, I I think I love Juju this whole year. I don't I don't know if it's just like the whole like TikTok dancing like that that stuff. Corvette, Corvette. Yeah, I don't know if that's throwing me off. Um, maybe Curtis Samuel and Corey Davis are <laughs> close three for three and four for me, and then I would put Juju towards the end, but. I think that just because I might find rooting for him a little bit tougher after how he's acted recently. How would you order them? Um, so I'd go Robinson one um, from pure talent perspective and elite, you know, elite route running skills, ball skills, all those types of things. Um, I'd put Galladay two. Maybe like that's just me. Um, I think Galladay is the most talented of all of the guys on the list. For me, then I would go Curtis Samuel three purely based on age and fit. Um, I think in – Shanahan, the Shanahan offense, 
you need people that can that can run the ball on speed like on speed options reverses you need guys that can take handoffs you got new guys that can block that can run after the catch samuel can do that i would then go juju and godwin godwin a little bit ahead of him based on age ability to play inside and outside and run after the catch and then i actually think Corey davis is a really exciting guy that we could get two of these guys um especially on Deshaun's cap number next year, you could get a Allen Robinson and say, here, Corey Davis can be our third guy. You have Mims, Robinson, Davis, and then you move Crowder for a four or five. You get rid of $11 million and you invest that money elsewhere. Um, so and, and Richard Sherman on a two-year $22 million deal, heavily incentive-laden. So that's what I would do, um, and that's how I'd rank them. I, I just think it's a really, really good receiver class, but – we also have to remember it's an incredibly, incredibly elite draft receiver class. And unless they're getting Deshaun Watson, I would much rather draft and sign one apiece as opposed to just go totally all in on free agent receivers. Although it's worked for the Bills and it's made them what they are, you also look at teams like the Chiefs. And other than Watkins, who is probably their fifth best option at this point, all these guys, Tyreek Hill special, but it's all through the draft. And they just invested heavily at D-tackle, middle linebacker, like, you know, edge, D-tackle, and safety. And then offensively, obviously, Mahomes and the offensive line has been elite. So that's how I'd rank them. Um, those are the questions we got. We're going to start doing this, um, you know, pretty pretty frequently throughout the offseason um, when there's a, when there's a kind of a down week in, in Jets news. So make sure to, you know, tweet over your questions. Obviously, Matt's Twitter, uh, at Jets Opinion. Make sure to, you know, follow that. Follow me on Twitter at willpa 11 Will P-A-11. Um, and then make sure to check out, obviously, uh, Badlands uh, podcast on Patreon with Joe Caparoso and Connor Rogers, as well as our draft season podcast and the turn on the Jets feed. So, um, Matt, you have anything else for us? No, I think you summed it up. I think the, the, the big thing, the main point we want people to get away with this is that uh, we're rooting for Deshaun Watson to the Jets as much of a Sam Darnold fan as Will is. Uh, so we have a lot of exciting uh, news. I would be so much happier in rationalizing in my own head that the reason Sam isn't here is because we traded for a prime 25-year-old top-five quarterback. Of course, yeah. If we have, to, we have to push him out the door to draft Zach Wilson, who's the exact same player and smaller version of Sam, or Justin Fields, it's going to be a little harder for me personally to stomach. But for Deshaun – I get it. I'd be pumped. He's easy to root for. That way you can trade Sam to San Fran or Indy or Washington, and Sam can do really well, and I can feel really good about it. Trade for Deshaun. Joe, pick up the phone. Give him three ones, and let's let Jets Twitter burn, and NFL writers Twitter, more importantly, burn because they crapped all over the Jets. So let's see it. Let's see it happen. All right, guys. Thank you for tuning in uh, today's episode. We'll be back next week with uh, some more content for you guys. See you soon.